0: Good morning. Go ahead and look to the person sitting next to you and just say, you look good today. Amen. Yes, that's just a word of encouragement once again. It is so good to see you here with us this morning. And this is like the official launch into summer here for Foundation Church. Last weekend was incredible. Uh, We went outside of these walls, went into our community and served in an incredible way. And today we are getting to kick off this series that we are calling Community. And we are excited that you are here with us today for the start of this series. And as we just uh, step into the summer, we have so many things planned and, and so many ways that we hope to get you connected and even to connect with us. But man, we are happy Happy, happy that you are here and with summer comes all sorts of opportunities for activities for you to get to maybe do things that uh, you consider fun and and get to hang out with some people and each and every single saturday morning if you are lucky enough to be and you say lucky enough if you're lucky enough to be in grayson kentucky On maybe some random back road, you will probably get slowed down just a little bit in traffic due to about four to five guys that are on road bikes dressed in spandex. That is what you will find around. You never know where they're going to be. You never know exactly how fast they're going to go. And you never know how wide they may even be in the lane. But this is one of the ways in which I have fun on Saturdays is getting with uh, some other guys. We have no idea why we dress the way we do. We just do. It's just a part of it. And we go out to Carter County and ride heels On a bicycle. And at the very end of it, we say, man, wasn't that a lot of fun? And we're like, what is that? And then even that, maybe uh, there's another one. So that's a Saturday morning. But there is also in Grayson, Kentucky, this group that meets on Sunday nights. And it's absolutely incredible that if you actually go past the city park on Sunday nights, I believe they now meet at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, you will find a group and they call themselves Rancor and here's what they do. They make your Jedi Knight dreams become a reality. What you end up finding is a group of individuals that have lightsabers and are out there dueling one another, using the force in all their capacities, and at the end of the day, man, wasn't that fun. Beyond that, you'll see all throughout the community different ways of which you can just get involved with others. Maybe it's going to the golf course and getting to just play a couple rounds on a Friday evening with a group of buddies from work. Or maybe for you, it's gathering with a nonprofit organization or being a part of the Rotary Club and going and serving with a group of individuals. Here's what we find is that if within each and every single one of us, there's this desire for community, that we hope that we can find a place in which we can belong, a place in which we can become known, and even a place that is within our deeper self to be loved. And then also, I think there's just this innate feature within every single one. We just want to have fun. And so if you look at the definition of community that we have up here on the screen, this is going to be the baseline for where we're going today and throughout this, this entire series. It is a group of people. Put it back up there for us. Uh, Eric, a group of people living in the same place... A group of people living in the same place, so it's geographically, a group of people living in the same place, but then the second part, or having a particular characteristic in common. And so fill in the blank, whatever that particular interest or belief even, or attitudes or goals that you have, that you share with one another, this creates this unifying bond that we call and that the world defines as community. Now, here's what is extremely interesting, and we want to just step into today, is that we have this incredible need within each every single one of us to belong. We want this. I think every single one of us, we want this. We want to be a part of a community. We want to be a part of a group of people with similar interests, beliefs, attitudes, goals, and we want to feel connected, and we want to belong. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, is that actually right now, we are more connected as a group of people than what we have ever been before. You have this device in your phone that allows you to FaceTime miles and miles away to grandma and grandpa that you would never be able to see. You have different apps like Facebook that allows you to just be a part of different social groups and to be a part of other people's lives in ways that we never have before. Here's what's incredible, is that we are more connected than we have ever been before, but yet here is what is so interesting is that there's a word that we're going to use today is that us as a society have never been more lonely than we have ever been before. So here's what's incredible. Connectedness is up, but then at the same time, loneliness is up. Let me just read and just share with you just a little bit of this information here that we see within this sense of community is that number one we see that whenever you look at the census bureau they do a survey each and every single year and they actually made this statement that that they are this is the loneliest generation this is the loneliest generation connected more than they've ever felt but they say that it is up to 60 percent 60 percent of people in the united states post-pandemic this is post-pandemic, okay? Not during pandemic, not pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. 60% of people say that they experience loneliness. And they now are calling this not just a something that you may feel or something you may be going through, but they're actually calling this an epidemic. That loneliness isn't just happening in certain places, but it's actually all across the U.S., this rate of 60%, this is higher than obesity, this is higher than diabetes, but what you actually find whenever you look at this aspect of isolation is that it actually has just as many health factors connected to it as those other two. If we go just a little bit further, there's this woman, her name is Laurie Santos, and she's a cognitive psychologist. And she's a professor at Yale University. And she was a part of this PBS Newsweek Hour. And she was they were talking about some of these stats of loneliness. And this guy, she they asked her, he so said, what is the causes of loneliness? Why do we see so much loneliness happening right now within this generation? Well, there's three things that she shares. And I'm curious which one you may connect with the most. The first one, once again, she's communicating this in January of 2023. Post-pandemic, January 2023, what is it that's causing loneliness? The first one is busyness. Is busyness. is that right now you maybe have more activities or more things on your plate than maybe you ever have before. If you look over the course of your week, maybe it's work. Work is continually high on the list, and it's taking lots and lots of time. But then if you have kids, then you also know that almost every single weeknight something is trying to be added to it. And so you see the things that you commit to, but then on the flip side of busyness, here's what's even more incredible, is that there are more opportunities for you and for me to spend our time. There are more ways right now that you can spend your time and actually entertain yourself without the need of anyone else around you. One word, and you know it, Netflix. Netflix. Do you have to have anybody else in the room to enjoy Netflix? Netflix. Absolutely not. To many of you, you actually hope that there isn't anybody else in the room because it's just you and the TV for hours and hours. You look at just the different ways that you can just sit and read. You know, you have podcasts, there's even video games. None of these things require connection for you to feel entertained, nor even community. And so there is this part where you find yourself saying, I'm so busy. And there's two things. Yes, there are activities that filled your times, but then there's also the guilty pleasures that begin to fill our time. That's number one. The second one, why is there so much loneliness? And it goes right off of the first one. You see, oftentimes when you look at the aspects of the technology that I just talked about, which one is easier? Is it easier for you to go home and watch Netflix for three or four hours, or is it easier for you to go and connect with some friends and family? It's easier to go home and sit on your phone. That's right, 100%. This is way easier. And so what we see is that over the past 20 years, technology has continued to advance. And it is advancing at the most rapid pace. And she shares within this article, and let's just see if you connect with this. She says, how many times have you been to a restaurant, seen people not talking to the folks at their table? because they have been looking down at their phones the more we connect through technology the less we are connecting with those in real life and she begins to outline this connecting is not community it's not community and we were just at uh backyard pizza the other day and then you can imagine i mean this happens all the time it's like one of my favorite things to look look for here was a mom and here was two teenage boys and we're literally walking out, and I just glance over, and mom is like staring at them like this, trying to have an intentional conversation. Teenage boys are not having it, and they're just sitting down. And like this is their head, and they're just playing on their phone. That's it. And you can imagine that like this is the reality. This even may be part of your reality. This may be even the conversation that you have with your spouse or with your kids. Put the phone away. But we see it's just so ingrained. Within our culture, that literally the ones that we are sitting right across from, we don't really even know because we're more consumed or more focused on what is on our device than who is across the table from us. This is not me guilting anyone in this room. Amen. We are all like, like, yeah, we've done this, right? We've done this. Here's what's incredible: technology makes us feel like other things are way more important than who's in front of us. It's insane. It's not that you do it on purpose. It's just that when you get this text message, you say, oh, I need to check it. Or whenever you're like, this Amazon thing pops up, right, in your head, you're like, oh, man, I need, like, this really weird thing. Or I wonder if Amazon has it. This is really important. And then you do, like, a buy now. And then you can just continue on and on. Or, hey, did you see this Facebook post? And then before you know it, all these little things that popped in your head just then become more important than the person that's around you. And this technology, it continues to come our way. And and it happens so fast that oftentimes we don't have time to even see if this is good or if this is bad, but we can definitely feel what happens. Let me just pose one question to you and see if you connect in the same way that I do with my own life. That oftentimes we see technology it intervenes into our home. You see, community isn't just with friends, but it's also with family. And let me just ask you, there's an emptiness, I believe, that we feel from technology. Let me ask you if you were to binge watch a show on Netflix, and like, I mean, I have binged before, like five hours on Netflix, how do you feel afterwards? How do you, do you like celebrate the five hours that you just spent watching Netflix? Probably not. I mean, maybe, it's okay. Or you fall into even worse. This is me and Emily, the Instagram Reels. Oh dear God, what has happened? Instagram Reels, like for 60 second clips, it turns into an hour. It's unbelievable. You know it's true. It's unbelievable. Me and Emily justify it because we do it together. Does that make it any better? I don't know. Maybe. But we see an hour goes by so, so fast. But oftentimes what you find is that even after hours and hours of technology that's in front of us, oftentimes it does not fulfill us. Oftentimes it does not fulfill us. We even feel guilty. We have regret that we even wasted our time in such a way. But me and Emily, we're okay. We're good. So we see technology. The third one, this one was really interesting to me, is that she says that there's a gradual decrease of third places. Third places. So Grace in Kentucky, if we were to talk about this three years ago, I would say that we have no coffee shops. And so a coffee shop would be an example of a third place. Now we got like five. It's incredible what God has done in Grace in Kentucky by providing us coffee shops. It's incredible. But you look at the other third places that, like, my parents talked about. In Olive Hill, Kentucky, there was a bowling alley. There was a movie theater. Um, and there was, like, a second floor to the movie theater that was, like, super weird, I guess. But there's all these things that used to be in your local community that provided you with opportunities to leave your home to go and to be with other people. But she says that these have decreased. But then you take her three, these three causes, and I want to bring to life just one more, beyond what she spoke, that within our culture right now, there is this incredible push. There's this incredible pull towards the individual, okay? There's this thing called individualism, and it's a social theory that elevates the individual over the community, Everybody, let me define a little bit more. It's when people place more focus on their own private pursuits and self interest to the point of forgetting about the need for community or even the needs of the community. So this individualism rises up to now what's most important is you. And so, whenever you begin to think about this concept of community, is that oftentimes you can't even think about others. And that's not your fault, it's more so just the cultural pool that we are in. We highly, highly value the individual. So, setting the stage here with where we are, we see that in our current situation there's a busyness, there's technology beyond our wildest dreams, there's a culture so focused on itself that we as a generation, more than any generation before, find ourselves lonely or with this need within us to find community. Now, here's what we got to talk about. What's the solution? What's the answer? Should each of you go out to, to the lanes here in Grayson and, and, and join a bowling club? Maybe. I think it's on Thursday nights if you're interested. Or if you want to be a part of this, the, you know, the road bike warriors in spandex, then there's that opportunity as well on Saturday mornings. This may be an option for you. To go out and to find some place to belong, sure. There's all sorts of different ways, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But here's where I think we find ourselves today, is that each and every single one of us, there's a deeper calling that we hope to find in community. That oftentimes, whenever we join these groups, we're hoping to find something deeper. We're hoping to be filled in a particular way. And here's what we find. Here's what the call today is to not just a community around our hobbies, our interests, but a community that is around and is focused on who Jesus is and what he's done. A community that that discovers and learns the deepest meaning of love and to know God and who is the definition of love. But I continue to ask these questions. What if you were never meant to feel alone? What if God never intended for you to feel alone ever? Ever. And then what if the way of Jesus and following him touches one of the greatest needs and desires within us? And so today, here is my hope, is that I want to look today at the life of Jesus, and I want to bring this point that Jesus lived in community. And actually, here's my main point for today that we're going to unpack, is that the call to follow Jesus was simultaneously a call to community. The call to follow Jesus was simultaneously a call to community, to his community. Now, here's our first point. Jesus, he lived in community, but what did this look like? This is incredible. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to have them up on the screen as well. But we see Jesus' community, it wasn't around a hobby. It wasn't around interests. Jesus' community was around himself. Because Jesus was coming and he was proclaiming that he is the Messiah, that he is the Lord, the long-awaited Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for, and they proclaimed that he was him. And the surrounding of him or his community was around him and this kingdom. Well, in Matthew chapter 10, we see that this community is redefined. It's who you live by and who you follow Jesus with. Let's look at this group in Matthew chapter 10. And, it says, and he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Notice the identifier there. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, once again another title. And last but not least, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These are the 12 that we find that walk with Jesus. Now, we have just spent some time in our encounter series where we looked at Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, you actually see the calling of five of these individuals. see that four of them, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were just fishermen. And one day that Jesus walked by the boat and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And here's what's insane. They stopped fishing and they followed him. And then what made it even more radical is that in Luke chapter five, he called this guy named Matthew who was a tax collector. And Matthew at this point, he was under the Roman law, Roman order, under the Roman paycheck who was literally working with Rome to oppress his fellow friends, brothers, neighbors, family. This is his group. This is his group. We find some fishermen. We find a tax collector. We find a few people that just, we just know the heritage. And then you find the zealot. And then you find even the one that Jesus invited in was literally the one that would betray him. This is a hodgepodge group of people. Here's where I want to bring this just a little bit further. Let's focus on Matthew just for a second. Matthew, he's a tax collector with Rome. There's one other guy here who's the zealot who hated Rome, with everything in him. And so Jesus calls Matthew, and then all of a sudden, he calls the zealot in, and could you imagine the first interaction? Traitor. What are you doing here? Don't you just want to go back to Rome? You could imagine just all of the comments. Let me just frame this even more. Imagine if Jesus, this is going to get really wild. Imagine Jesus called, called Biden and Trump to the same group. Could you imagine that? That's what this is like, that literally they're inviting the ones that were like sworn enemies, completely different views or maybe completely different walks of life to come and join together. It would be amazing. Amazing, right? Could you imagine that? This would be insane. Imagine just like the cousin that you just cannot stand or the person that you just cannot stand and Jesus calling him into community with you. And this wasn't like the community of which you just hang out for an hour. This was the community of which you walked with every single day for hours and hours and hours. And so let me just make just a few notes here about this community is that number one is that Jesus' community, it did not include the saints. There is no, there is no one in here that says the Pharisee. There is no one that says the saint or the, the most holy one. It was the most crazy group of people. All sorts of walks of life, all sorts of backgrounds, socioeconomic status, different zeal, and different maturity. Here is the other point about Jesus' community. It was messy, it was difficult, it was vulnerable, and it was definitely very, very new. But here's what's also interesting about Jesus' community is that not everyone answered the call. If we go back to Luke chapter 5, there's these Pharisees that pop on the scene. And they're criticizing Jesus for him even calling Matthew. And he makes this incredible, incredible statement that I want to bring to life in Luke chapter 5, verse 31. It says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we remember this group who believed that they were so righteous that they didn't even believe that they needed Jesus. This was part of this group. Then we see throughout the New Testament, those that, that weren't able to step into this call to follow because it was too difficult or it asked too much. And so we see that throughout this community text. So we see it was messy. We see not everyone was called to the commitment. But then here's what I'm going to land on as well is that the call to follow did not lead to isolation, You see, the call to follow was not singular, it was plural. It was plural. So he called 12, and he called them individually, but then we see the collective 12 coming and living together. And so I want to offer you three points here from Jesus' community. What do we find? Well, number one is that Jesus' community, that the call to follow did not lead to isolation. It did not ever lead to isolation. Even when Paul is locked into a Roman prison, he does not feel isolated. He still feels connected with the incredible community that he was around. And so here's what's so, so incredible is that you may be feeling isolated today. That you may be feeling this incredible isolation that's overwhelmed you over the past few months, years, and you've just been trying your best to find your group of people. And here's what's incredible is that Jesus is the gateway out of isolation says so that isn't one of those things that you step into. You can't step into Jesus' as life and then be isolated. We see the call to follow did not lead to isolation. The second one is that it was not earned. It was not earned. Community was not something that you have to earn. It was not something that you had to just become the very best, you know, fisherman or the very best person, the most zealous about who God was to be invited in. This is the most incredible part of the story of community is that it's all walks of life. Everyone is called and all are welcome. And then from that, Jesus radically will change your life. You see, if you step out of faith to community, if you understand that there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation, if you understand there's nothing you can do to earn this community, then you step into it free for Jesus to do whatever he wills. And then the third one, the third part that we find here is that Jesus is, or that Jesus welcomes you. That Jesus welcomes you. This is so simple and so beautiful is that Jesus welcomes every single one of the 12. He simply calls them to follow me. He welcomes them in. He says he understands their backstory, he understands their history, but Jesus welcomes them in. Here's where we find ourselves. That this first point that we made in the very beginning is reiterated here in Jesus' community that the call to follow Jesus was a call To community. Now, let's just step into a little bit more of the cultural moment here. We see through the evidence laid out in this story that Jesus lived in community. He lived among 12 for three and a half years, and it's just unbelievable what they would have experienced and what they would have gone through. And it's a peek into what community looks like. But before we go any further, I want to bridge the gap between the personal call to follow and community. With Campus Crusade for Christ at EKU, we would do this thing randomly. You've heard me talk about it before, where we would actually go out into cafeterias and to different campuses, and we would begin to share the gospel. And they gave us this track that says, knowing God personally. That was what the track was, okay? And they would create this picture that over here is God, And then here is this incredibly deep valley that you can't cross. There's nothing that you could do to to cross this valley. And then here's you. So, So here's you, here's God, and here's this incredible valley that's separating you and there's nothing that you can do. And what was this valley that we called? We called it sin. And we said that this, because of your sin, that you have separated yourself from God. And so... Like, every, like the story of the gospel goes, we need somebody that can bridge this gap between us and God, that can restore us, that can redeem us. And here's where Jesus comes in. And it was this beautiful picture where the cross literally would fit right in the valley and it was almost as if you could walk across it, that he was the bridge, that he was the gap. This is the way that you have probably heard the gospel communicated over and over, even to the point to where maybe you've heard at the very end, say this prayer after me and you will be saved. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with anything that I have just spoken about, but let me just bring a little bit of tension to us. Our view of salvation within our culture is solely on the individual. We say this often, that is a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, this is nothing wrong with this, just let me get my point across, is that this is probably more so culture and individualism that's bringing this to lie. There's a me-centeredness, but this is vertical theology, which is so good. Your relationship with God. Now, let me break this down just a little bit more. Here's a couple incredible points for you. Number one, God does care so much about you as an individual. This is incredibly good news. That God cares about you. He knows you, that he is able to connect with you in unique ways of which you are wired. I was talking to Aaron Kitchen in the back. He's got three boys. I've got three boys. His are like 10 years older than mine, so he's like the one I get to just learn from. All of his incredible mistakes I hope I don't make. You know what I mean? Like, aren't you so happy you have some of those people in your life? But we were just talking about our boys. I'm like, man, Asher is my oldest, and there's a way in which I can connect with him right now. It's just like fighting all the time. He tests me. He tests me, and I say, son, you don't want the smoke. That's what I would say. You don't want the smoke. And I'll I'll put him in position and he'll just continue to learn and continue to have. And then you got Augie, who is my fighter 100%, but he needs a little bit more love. He needs a little bit more nurture. He needs a little bit more just, like, you know, patience. Um, Lord, help us all sometimes. And then there's Avery. I don't even know yet. You know, he's just been, like, nursing for, like, four weeks. That's pretty much it. I just wave, you know, wave at him as, you know, as he's getting the job done. Um, That's about it. It'll come, though. It'll come. They're each individuals, right? I don't treat my kids the same. Or I love, let's put it this way. I love my kids the same, but my kids have different needs. They're wired differently. They're created uniquely. And so this is one of the most beautiful parts of the gospel is that Jesus comes to the individual first. That he meets your needs. He meets you where you are. He has a story for your life. And he invites you into his. It's incredible. It's all unique. It's all unique. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. The 12 were one of the most unique pictures of everybody from different walks of life. And I hope you see that clearly just by us talking about those 12, is that there wasn't one way to Jesus. There were multiple ways. But here's my second point, is that within our culture, here's what we find. But preoccupation with individual spirituality. Preoccupation with individual spirituality remains an incomplete. Notice the word there, incomplete. I didn't use the word wrong. I just said incomplete, an inadequate picture of the Christian life. It's just incomplete. Whenever we come into it as it's just a personal relationship with Jesus that you do, you boo, that you walk this out in your own way, it's an incomplete and inadequate version of the life that Jesus calls us to. You see, there's this point that we want to make today is that we are saved to community that we are saved to community, and that this community, this is where it gets beautiful, is that our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done for both of us. This is where it begins. Because of what Jesus has done for both of us, community can begin. We belong to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. We connect most deeply in this way. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he writes it this way. I got two quotes for you. The first one, the Christian, is the man who no longer seeks his salvation, his deliverance, his justification in himself, but in Jesus Christ alone. See, in our text today, following Jesus, they found themselves not alone, but in community. Was it messy? A hundred percent. Was it hard? Absolutely. But beyond those things was the unbelievable joy and thankfulness, For what Jesus had done for them. To be in the presence of the Messiah and experience his incredible salvation. Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, puts it one more way. Because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we enter common life with them, we enter into that common life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. We thank God for what he has done for us. Here is what is the most incredible piece of this community is that within each and every one of us it's not about our preferences it's not about our wants it's not about our desires it's just like Ryan man you love Jesus holy smokes I do too you want to know what he did for me it's unbelievable what he do for you oh my gosh it's unbelievable and what do we have it's not did Jesus do this for you in your life it's just no I can't believe that Jesus would save someone like me. I can't believe that Jesus would even redeem me. And there's this incredible joy and this incredible thankfulness that wells up within us if we do this thing right. Jesus's community within each and every single one of us was not based on their demands. It was not based on their desires. Jesus said, "Come and follow me," and they stepped into it with joy and thankfulness that they were living and walking with the Messiah and the same is true for us today as a church so in summary in closing today our hope for this series we are going to continue to use this line that we are a community for the community a community for the community and over the next eight eight weeks to ten weeks we will just continue to bring to life what does it mean to be a community and what does it mean for us to be for this community there's going to be challenges that will happen. There's going to be struggles that we will have. But here's where I wanted to begin today. Is that the first followers of Jesus were called to follow him. And this call to follow him was simultaneously a call to community. And here's where I want to step into. This is incredibly good news for me. Number one. If the stats are true and 60% of the people in this room are experiencing loneliness, here's the most incredible good news. by, By believing in him, by accepting Jesus as your personal separate, you are automatically invited into community with other believers who at the heart and the basis of why we exist is out of a thankfulness and joy for what Jesus has done for us. And let me tell you, this group is not perfect. And let me tell you, this group is going to make tons of mistakes, but at least you'll be in it together and you'll have this sense that Jesus not only has called you, but Jesus has saved you. Reading from my notes here is that in the epidemic we find ourselves, loneliness does not have to be your story. Let me repeat that loneliness does not have to be your story. As we have noted, you can go tomorrow night and take a big leap to join a community with common entrance. Could this be helpful? Absolutely. But what Jesus is offering is so much greater. The gospel proclaims that Jesus came, came to release the pangs of sin and death. And those that see Jesus as their savior repent of their sins and follow him will not only experience salvation but will simultaneously be invited to his community his family and here once again you will not find perfection but unbelievable joy and thanksgiving for what jesus has done for us and so today the simple call the first challenge that i want to give to you today is that today is the challenge to step out in faith Answer the call to follow Jesus and take a step of faith that through him you may experience salvation, but then the greater need you may be having is you feel alone. You feel like nobody knows you. You feel like nobody connects you. I swear one of the greatest tools the enemy is gonna have through the next generation is I just wanna isolate you. I want you to pretend that the connections that you have online are real connections, but I'm gonna keep on isolating you and isolating you and isolating you. And they'll do it over and over again. And Jesus is radically calling us to step into this life of community. The second call, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus. Maybe today the the thing that got you the most was this, this idea of a personal relationship being everything, but really Jesus saying that this is the starting point to relationship beyond just relationship with him, but relationship with others. And so the second challenge for you today is to step into community. And I got this little tag, and don't see it as a choice. To step into community and don't see it as a choice. This is what we have just been said as a church, is that you have the choice of whether or not to like join a small group, or you have a choice of whether or not to come to church, or you have a choice of whether or not to serve, or fill in the blank, whatever it may be. You have a choice to participate. We'll put it that way. With Jesus' disciples, there wasn't a choice. It was one choice. Will you follow me? And if you choose to follow me, then that is simultaneously me calling you into community with others. Now, here's some good news: you're already in. It. By just showing up today, you have taken an incredible step to be a part of a community. But here's what we find: is that oftentimes it's very easy to slip in and to slip out these doors. You don't have to talk to anybody. You may get you'll get a few greeters along the way that are like bombard you with hellos. That's okay. That's planned. But beyond that, you still may not know anybody. And I think deep within every single one of our souls, we want to be known. We want to belong. We want to connect. And so I just want to share four examples of what community looks like right now for our church using different groups and different individuals. The first one on a Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. at the Nook and Cranny Coffee Shop. Once again, coffee shop. Just praise God for that. You'll find two guys sitting at a table talking about life, talking about marriage, and you'll see a Bible opened up, seeing what God Word, God's Word is speaking to each and every single one of them. This wasn't necessarily planned. It was random. They just kept showing up at the coffee shop together, and then they said, well, why don't we just, like, spend some time together? That was the first step. They just started hanging out. Before you knew it, you have seen the Word of God continue to move, and now a vulnerability began to open and, and a to be known went so much deeper than just superficial conversation. The second one I want to share with you is on Thursday nights, there's an incredible, incredible, incredible group of people that meet every single Thursday night to help those who are in recovery, to help those who are continuing to fight the battle of addictions. And every single Thursday night, here's what they do. They gather, they open up God's word, they share the incredible story of hope and salvation in Jesus. And then they just share about how God's word is continuing to connect with him. And some people come in and they talk and some people don't, but it's just this group with this common bond. It's unbelievable. On Wednesday nights, you'll see it happen this way with a the family. They'll meet with about eight to 10 adults and about 30 kids. It's insane most of the time. And here's what they do. They gather around a the table. They have a meal together. They share life together. They begin to pray for one another. They share, share the, the highlights of their week and the struggles of their week and all throughout the lens of who God is and what he has done for you. And then you'll also, there's one more that you'll find is that there's a group of women that meet and gather, coffee shops, at homes, going through a Bible study together and just continuing to see their life grow. And so here's our challenge for you. Those are just three examples of what community could look like beyond just these walls, beyond just where you maybe find yourself today. And here's my challenge for you this summer. For me and my family, it's having people around the table. I have invite, We've invited more people over to our home than we can count. And we've had a lot of good food, a lot of good pizza. That's our way to have community. And maybe to you, that's the first step. Who could you invite this week to come over to your house for a meal? Who is it? You don't have to, like, pray for one another. You don't have to confess your sins. Maybe you open up God's Word. Maybe not. Maybe the first step for your days is just to invite somebody into your home. Or even easier, maybe it's like, hey, would you just meet with me at a coffee shop? Let's just hang out get to know each other, open up God's Word together. You see, the step to community is not as hard as what we make it out to be. But it begins simply with this intentionality to invite somebody to then be a part of your be a part of theirs. This is our prayer for the summer. We're going to create opportunities. We're going to create activities that that will provide you a safe space for you to just meet other people, for you to step out of isolation and into community. But then we also want to challenge some of you in this room to, to be proactive in this, to open up your homes, to open up the coffee shops for gathering and meeting together. We believe that through community, here's what you will find. Number one, that you're not alone. Number two, you'll find that Jesus will radically change your life by the people that he puts around you. And then number three, that in following Jesus, even though it may be difficult, even though it may be hard, you will have the support and the care, and you'll find the growth that you need to continually love others in the way that Jesus has called us to. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that today, Lord, that that your word has just been come to life to every single one of us. Lord, we know that the enemy is fighting in every way possible through busyness, through technology. Lord, through our own individual wants and desires to isolate us and keep us away from you and keep us away from your community. Lord, I hope and pray that you would just prick our hearts today that community is not a choice that if we have answered the call to follow you, then that is simultaneously the call to step into community. And I pray, number one, that if there's somebody here that is is not a part of the community, that's not a follower of you, God, that today that you would just make it so clear and evident the love and the grace and the mercy that you have just given them. And I pray with boldness that they would come forward, Lord, to be prayed over and be encouraged. But Lord, we secondly pray for our church to be bold, in being a part of communities. That, Lord, we get to gather, that we get to be a part of community on Sunday, but throughout the week, we just continue to break through walls and barriers to get to know one another and get to know you, Lord, in a deeper way. Lord, move through our church, move through the communities that are starting, God, this week, and we just pray for boldness within each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.